Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So I'm going to stay in the same vein as Pastor Josh, and whether you believe it or not, that clip is almost exactly like what I'm talking about today. Um, have you have you guys gotten into uh, systems like oh my gosh Microsoft? Two-factor authentication. It's like to where I have to have like my telephone. They have to call me every time I try to log in. Like it's just getting overly complicated. I'm just sick of like hackers making my life harder. I've heard that they're going to now three-factor authentication. It's like, do I have to start buying more phones? I don't understand like what I have to do to prove that I'm me. But identity has gotten tricky, you know, on the internet. It's digital. You can't see people. But Even in person, just like he's talking about, identity can sometimes be a little confusing. If one factor is off, all of a sudden, identity is in question. For example, I mean, if I walked up to my wife and I look like me in every way, I'm even in the house, but then I talked with a voice that wasn't mine, my wife would be like, wait a second, who who are you? Like, are you my husband? Because identity is kind of a full thing. It's like about many things all wrapped up into one, many attributes all wrapped up into one. And so Cammie and I have had several instances in our relationship, Cammie's my wife, by the way, where um, we have, she mostly has mistaken my identity or I've mistaken hers. For example, she says my voice, I don't hear it, you know, like your voice sounds different in your own head. I don't think I sound like my dad, but she says I sound exactly like my dad. So when I was a teenager, back when you like had caller ID, you know, like, well, now you have caller ID, but it's different. It was like, I remember dating Cammie because we were like high school sweethearts when I didn't have caller ID and my, she didn't know who was answering the phone or who was calling. And so, you know, you slowly become like your parents. And so I say, howdy now. Who knew I was going to say howdy? Like I answer the phone, howdy. And that's what my dad did all the time. And so she never knew who it was. Even yesterday, we're just at the table and I said something and she goes, oh my gosh, you sound just like your dad. Like not, not like the words I'm saying, like my tone of voice. Everything about me is starting to sound like him. I told a joke the other day that didn't land. I was like, I'm becoming my father. You know, like it's just, I, I remember another instance, <laughs> you know, I was frustrated about something. I have no idea. And I went outside. I think there was like a soccer ball. And I just kicked it. And all of a sudden, you ever have those like flashbacks? It's like you're seeing a vision. I remember my father coming out of his workshop and just kicking like a potted plant across the yard. I was like, I just became my dad. Like I just walked outside and just kicked something. Anyways, I'm slowly becoming my father. But in that, she wouldn't know who I am because the voice was too much like his So identity is more than just maybe one small thing. It it can be all-encompassing. For example, another instance with Cammie, I would fall asleep, and I've inherited this from my father too. I'm very good at being asleep but seeming very awake. Now I can, like, talk, have full conversations. I, I don't do this as much anymore, but I used to a lot back then. And so she would ask me a simple question to see if I was awake or not. So she'd think I was awake, but as soon as it started to seem, nah, I don't know if he's fully there, she would ask me what her full name is. And I have to say, Cammie Elizabeth Joyner. I was Joyner at the time. Now we got married. But if I got it wrong, she knew, okay, he's not fully, he's not fully here. And so one time she says, Matt, what is my name? And I said, 
Dan Slaughterback. Which is a weird name, but was my boss at the time, you know, like at work. And she was like, okay, go back to sleep. Like, you're not fully here. So these things are all about identity. So sometimes things just don't totally add up. And Jesus, he talks about this in the Bible. He talks about when things just don't totally add up. He talks about this often about the religious people. He's like, man, things just don't quite add up with these people. They say one thing, but they do another. So in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, he's talking about false prophets. He's talking about people that say they're from God or that they're saying things that God has said, but he's telling them to beware of them. He says this in verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Let's pray. We just thank you, God, that your word is power, your word is truth. It's something for us to stand on. It's something that's constant. It's never changing. God, I pray that your word would go forth this morning and that I would just be just an empty vessel, just filled with your spirit. And God, I pray that every one of us would be transformed by the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, he's tying our works to our faith. You know, this is said in James, there's the famous verse that um, faith without works is dead. You can't just say that you believe, you have to prove it through your actions. And so someone who would say that I'm a Christian, they, they can be a tree, but it doesn't mean that they're bearing good fruit. And so what I wanted to talk about today, Pastor Josh has been talking about uh, the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit's power. And so I want to continue that today and talk about really the fruits of the Holy Spirit versus the fruits of the flesh. But even more than that, there's something to think about before you even get to the fruit. You have to talk about identity. Identity is very important that we know where we're grounded and that we know who we are because we live out of that identity. And many times we get caught up in the wrong identities. We really take on false ones. Or our identity gets choked out. That's like Pastor, Pastor Josh talked about a few weeks ago when he was talking about gardening, that you can have flowers and, and fruit and all these things growing in the garden but if you don't take care of the weeds, that they'll come and they'll choke, choke them out. And you won't be able to bear good fruit anymore. So when we talk about identity, I'm struck by the fact that the Bible is always contrasting really two persons inside of me. The Bible is always contrasting this spirit and this flesh. And so I want to talk about reestablishing, right now I want to go through some scriptures, reestablishing that we really have two identities, and they become one in me as I live and breathe right here. But we have to know that our spirit, our spirit man, is separate from our flesh man, and we have to figure out which one's in control. So, back in Genesis, there's these crazy couple of verses that struck me many years ago when it started to really get me to separate the flesh from the spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. 
It says, so God created human beings in his own image. Sorry, this is the sixth day of creation, by the way. He's done a lot of other things. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Now, this is interesting that God says he created all men and women in his image. Well, we know that in John chapter 4, verse 24, it says that for God is spirit. So we have to start to think about if God made me in his image, what image is that? Then in chapter 2 is when it gets a little interesting in Genesis. Chapter 2, verse 4, it says, This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, so it's just a barren land, for the Lord had not yet sent rain to water the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. No people. It says he made them on the sixth day. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Isn't that wild? That's like one of the craziest things. Like, I've seen some Marvel movies, you know? I've seen some crazy stuff, like science fiction type stuff. But what we're talking about right here is God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that makes stars, stars that are like a thousand times bigger than our planet, which our planet is a million times bigger than me. And that guy breathed life into dust to make me. But what does it say? It says that he actually made all men and women before that moment in time. And the Bible is always contrasting. Paul talks about it later. We're going to talk about this, that to be absent in the body is to be present with God. So there is a spirit inside of me that existed long before, like at the foundations of the earth, I existed. And long before I was my mother and my father's son, I was his. I was made by him. My first identity was not that I was a living, breathing person. It was not that I'm a six-foot Caucasian person named Matthew Michael Ellis. That wasn't my first identity. My first identity that I was God's, that I was marked by Him, that I was made predestined for good works. That's my first identity. That is a far greater identity than anyone I could ever take on in this life. Paul says it this way. He's talking about his longing for heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, he says, So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident, and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. That's, that's beautiful. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So Paul is drawing a very clear line between, I'm living here, but very temporarily. 
My spirit is here, and it's in this body. And frankly, God is going to talk to me, judge me, on the things that I did while the spirit was in this body. And then my spirit's going to go back to him. He says home. That means it must have come. It must have come from somewhere that was home for it to go back there. And now it goes back and it says, how can you account? Which one was in control? When you were down there, which one was ruling your life? Was it your spirit or was it the flesh? And that is a hard question. And the best way that we can answer that question is through the fruit. We have to see the fruit in our lives. Many times, it's so easy. Man, every single one of us, I do this all the time. My spiritual identity gets lost in my physical reality. Like, I'm here in this physical place, and it starts to look more real than heaven. It starts to look more real than the things of God. The things of earth start to look more tangible than the things of God. If my eyes are on the wrong identity. Man, we get so caught up. I get so caught up. I get so caught up in my career. Well, I, I, need to, I need to make more money. Now, everyone should supply for their families. That's scriptural too. But what I'm saying is we get so caught up. I need to make more money. I need a bigger house. I need a better car. I need to live up to the social standards of those around me. I need to keep up with the people. They have these nice things. We've become, man, I got off social media a long time ago. Like, and I talk about social media almost every time I preach because it's just a dangerous place. I think that social media can be powerful and wonderful, but at the same time, there's two very negative side effects that are promoted in social media today. Not promoted, but they're promoted by how it functions, and that is judgment and envy. Judgment and envy are robbing so many people of their identities because everybody always wants what somebody else has instead of being content with what God has given them. Because we need to live in the identity that Christ first gave me, the one that was made before the foundations of the earth. I can be secure in who I am, not because of some physical attribute or physical possession I have or thing that I can obtain, but it's something that I already have obtained because he already gave me sonship when he made me before the foundations of the earth. And then he gave it to me again because I lost it. We all lost it. We all lost that dominion that he gave us. He gave us dominion in the very beginning. He said, go and rule over everything. It's another way of saying, I give you all the power. Like, you are in charge. And then Adam gives it away. We all would have given it away. Let's just be honest. Every single one of us would have given it away. We give it away on a daily basis. We wake up and start breathing. And frustration hits in. Um, Worry hits in, fear, anxiety, any one of these. And we start living out of that identity instead of the identity of Christ. Because what Paul talks about in Galatians, sorry, I got to stick to my notes. My brain is always firing too many different directions. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I love this scripture. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives. The flesh man is dead. But Christ, the spirit of him, lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let's, let's, let's recap. Before the foundations of the earth, God granted me identity, that I am his, that I am made for good things, 
And then I lost it along the way because I kept getting distracted. I keep getting distracted by this physical space that I'm in and keep forgetting that heaven is a greater reality. And so then God is like, I need to fix this problem. They're so lost. I need to send Jesus. He sends Jesus down and Jesus says, you know what? I will take on your physical identity. I'm a spirit. It says in John that before the foundation of the earth, I exist and all things were made through Christ. Christ has always existed. He has always been a part of who God is. And so then Christ comes. He takes on our physical identity so that he can die and take everything, all the punishment and all the pain and all the suffering that I would ever endure. He takes it for me onto his physical body. And then he says, come and be crucified with me. Come and be baptized that I can put the old man down and my spirit can live inside of you. And all of a sudden, I'm reborn into that spiritual identity. I'm reborn into the fact that I don't need to live to appease the world. I live to please him. That's what Paul says. (laughs) Whether I'm in this body or out of it, we exist to please him. That's another aspect of that identity. I was given that identity, that spiritual one, before the foundations of the earth to please him. And nothing changed when my spirit came into my body and I came here to live. Nothing changed. I was still supposed to be living to please him. I get so distracted. Talking really fast. Is everybody keeping up? So our life, I I loved, uh, like I said, I mean, I opened with a comedy clip, but like Pastor Pastor Josh quoted Young Frankenstein, which a couple weeks ago, which was hilarious. I loved it. I love quoting movies um, with him. And so in Young Frankenstein, I'm I'm not going to do it because I want him to do it justice. He did a great job quoting it. I'm just saying what he was saying was that in Young Frankenstein, when Igor is, you know, kind of limping along and he says, walk this way, and the person starts walking that direction, but they're not really walking like Igor. So Igor is like, no, walk like me, you know? And so he's like, you need to look like me and walk that direction. And Pastor Josh's point was fantastic, that your life can't just look like Christ in one way. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going in the same direction. Well, that's not enough. It's just like identity. It's just like in the video. He's like, well, (laughs) with 70% name and 100% face, it's 170%. I love that line. But like, I can't get to Christ and be like, well, 70% same direction, uh, 100% fruit. You know, like, like you can mix, mix and match. It's like, well, I got like 100% there. I was reading my Bible. I was praying. But what about this thing over here? You know, it's like all-encompassing. It's like you can't just do one of the things. You have to do all of the things. So then we get in Galatians. And man, if the fruits of the Spirit don't just like humble you. Our life is supposed to look, sound, and feel like Christ. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, you could stop right there. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. That's a beautiful passage of Scripture. And I would say that, like, I'm a pretty, I don't want to call myself a fundamentalist because I don't, I think there's an actual, like, definition of that for Christianity, but I'm very fundamental in my outlook on the Bible. Like, I love having conversations about the, the Bible, but I'll tell you the truth. I'm a simple guy. So, like, some of it starts to go over my head. As soon as we start talking about beasts and scrolls or, you know, uh, when the dinosaurs lived, that, that is a hot topic in the homeschooling community, which is, which is my kids are homeschooled. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're like, <laughs> how does he know? I mean, um, so, like, some of these things are really hot topics. People love to talk and debate these things, and, and I think that's fun. I'd love to talk. <laughs> I'll never forget, I talked to somebody one time, um, about when the dinosaurs were. I was like, some theories are this, some theories are that. And he goes, he goes, I don't know, but they're all dead. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, exactly. That's exactly how I feel about it. They're all dead. I don't really know when they existed. I don't know if Job is talking about dinosaurs. I, I, don't, I don't know any of that stuff. The bottom line is I look at scriptures like this, and I find it to be all-encompassing of what the gospel is about. Like, I think there's many wonderful, beautiful things in it, and things that I think are fun to talk about. But at the end of the day, if I'm not bearing that fruit that I just read, then none of it really matters. And that's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is maybe my favorite chapter of the whole Bible. It's so beautiful. I'm going to read this from the message translation, okay? Not the whole chapter, but a good amount of it. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasies, but don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of its mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for itself. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. is isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. That's a big one. It doesn't reveal when other, or revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. And that's the first fruit of the Spirit. That's just one of them. Now, of course, encompassed in that is many of the fruits of the Spirit. But what I'm trying to get across today 
is I just think that the the world and the ch- the church, the church is us people, not the building, are in a bit of an identity crisis. Man, I'm not going to get too deep into this topic because it wouldn't be a good idea. But the church is more divided over politics these days than it is over the subject of love. People talk more about their political agendas on Facebook than they talk about Jesus. Man, I don't really care about politics, I'll be honest with you. I don't really care about social agendas or labels or names or things. I just care about loving people. And in the end, if I'm not loving people, it doesn't matter what belief system or label it has on it, I have nothing. It doesn't matter how much of the Bible I know and can quote it to people if I'm not doing it with gentleness, kindness, not keeping an account of people's wrongs against me. Whoa. Don't we all have a filter with people? It's kind of like, you let me down, I'm not going to ask you again. You know, stuff like that. Isn't that counting wrongs? You know, Jesus, man, the most beautiful thing that you can take this, this is Paul talking to us to love like this, but flip this around and believe this, that Jesus loves me that way. Jesus loves me that way. He's gentle with me. He's kind to me. And Jesus, it says that he took all of my sin and that it says that he removed it from me as far as the east is from the west. And in case you wonder how far that is, that's a circle. It it never ends. Your sin is removed from you as far as the east is from the west and it's expunged from your record because Christ took it in your place. And so with that, how can I not take what he gave me, and give it back to others. Because he loves me this way, so I want to love people this way too. All the arguing. Man, I'm on the social media soapbox. But like, all the arguing. John Mayer said it, said it best <laughs> in a song called Belief, which you might think of sacrilegious. But John Mayer, the song Belief, he says, Did anybody really ever change their mind because you shouted really loud one time? No. Nobody changed their mind. Because my father-in-law says it best. Before people will hear that you care, they have to believe that you care. Did I say it right? They can't hear how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know. See, I totally butchered that. He said it to me even this morning. I still forgot it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Man. Yeah, that's it. That's it. See, that's got a good ring to it. The one I said was not memorable. So, I mean, can we take that kind of attitude in, into the world? Man, pe- people do not care how much you know until they just know how much you care how much we care about people. I'm supposed to, you know, I, I'm always amazed by the story of the prodigal son. It, it never ceases to bring me new, fresh revelation of the love of God. The love of God, that some of the most amazing aspects of the story of the prodigal son is that the father gave the son his inheritance knowing full well what he was going to do with it. He knew that the son wasn't mature enough 
to take the money and to go do something responsible with it. He knew that. We gave it to him anyways. And then when the son is out squandering it and wasting it, he doesn't go out and start yelling at him or telling him, you know, how wrong he is. He just waits patiently, waits patiently for the son to return, for the son to make the first move. Man, God's love for us is a lot like that. He gives us things even though we don't deserve it. And then he's patient for us to come back to him. And I want to be like that with people. I want to give them things that they probably don't deserve because I was given things that I don't deserve. And then I don't want to get mad when they mess it up. I just want to wait patiently and wait for God to reveal those things. If there's things or people in your life that you feel like, man, they really messed that up. Just think about this. God's not up there thinking that way about you. He's not thinking about what you messed up. He's thinking about how he made you. He's thinking about how he's known you since the foundations of the earth. He's thinking about your spiritual identity, that you're his no matter what you'll ever do or say about it. That's not going to change. His love for you never fails, never gives up, never looks back, but keeps going until the end. In other versions, later after, after this, in 1 Corinthians, it says, prophecy, all these spiritual things that we think are wonderful, they'll all end. The only thing that will remain is the love of God. So that's what today is about. Today is about spiritual identity. I need to live from this identity that I am God's. I'm not this world. I'm not a product of this world. And so I shouldn't let this world change me from that identity that Christ has given me. Because Christ, I was crucified with him, I'm raised with him, and now it's his spirit that lives inside of me. And if it's him living in me truly, then I will bear fruit like this. I encourage you, read these scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and think about every single line for me. I can think about something in every single line that I've done wrong in the recent history of my life with loving people. Think about something that's a tangible, like real world thing for you. Take it and meditate upon it and ask God to reveal to you how you can love people more like he loves us. Because I want to bear good fruit. Because in that comedy sketch and bringing this all together, he gets to the gate and it's just like, it's a funny exchange, but because something's not quite lining up, the attendant's like, this is, this is not good. You should, you should just go home, which is hilarious. <laughs> he would say that. But I don't want to get up to heaven, man. And, and I'm like, well, God, like, here's my stuff. And he's like, this, this isn't really lining up. Like, things just aren't lining up. Like, you, you say you were a Christian. You went to church. You did all those things. But where's the fruit, man? Like, it's not lining up. And I do not want to tell, hear him tell me to go home. <laughs> I do not want to hear that. When I get to heaven, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You ran the race. You fought the good fight. You didn't grow weary of doing good. Man, it can get tiring doing good when you feel like everybody around you is doing wrong. When you feel like, well, I've been wronged. I need to make it right. No, the only way to make it right is to do good. 
Show love to your enemies. Jesus says, give them the shirt off your back. If you go a mile for them, go a second mile. This is radical love because Jesus was radical for us. And I want to be radical like him. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that you love us. Father God, I pray that we take that love, we take your spirit that you placed on the inside of us, and we would live out that amazing, amazing life that you lived on this earth. You showed us it was possible. You showed us that it's possible to live in a body, but there's your spirit being in control. God, we just pray that we would look more like you every single day. It might be a slow process, but we pray, God, that your spirit would come alive more and more every day on the inside of us, that you would reveal to us how we could look more like you. Jesus, we love you. Give you all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.